0: Warning, there will be spoilers, so if you haven't seen the movie that we're discussing today, I suggest you stop the podcast and go watch it. Then when you come back and listen, you'll get more out of the discussion. On this episode, we discuss Cowboys and Aliens. Okay, I am Sebastian and I am here with Jennifer. Hello. And we are doing another Just the Two of Us podcast. hmm. This is sort of a special podcast because this one came in as a request from a Twitter user named Magna Viking. That's right. We don't know who he is in real life, but we know he's uh, from Scotland.
1: That's right. And he loves James Bond and he's a fan of Temple Trauma and a really great um, supporter
0: of the podcast. You know who else is a fan of James Bond?
1: Oh, I know who's a fan of James Bond, especially the most recent James Bond.
0: That's right. I am a huge James Bond fan myself. I have uh, struggled to try to come up with a James Bond movie to do for Tentpole Trauma, but they're all pretty successful. Even the least successful ones have been successful. So that's why we haven't discussed James Bond because there aren't any actual bombs.
1: No James Bomb.
0: Nope, no James Bond. But we can talk about Daniel Craig in some movies, including the movie that we're talking about now, which is Cowboys and Aliens. That's
1: right. And boy, do you love to talk about Daniel Craig.
0: I really do. Um, I have a huge man crush on Daniel Craig. I find him very attractive and sexy i was happy to see that in this movie he takes off his shirt
1: wasn't just for the ladies
0: wasn't just for the ladies it was for me too that's right this is kind of i would say peak daniel craig i think this is him almost at his very hottest and sexiest it's right in the middle of his james bond run so he's looking really good i mean obviously he's middle-aged at this point but he's wearing it well i think
1: he doesn't know what middle age is I mean, he may be that way number-wise, but that doesn't
0: really affect Daniel Craig, does it? I don't know. I guess we'll see. We'll have to see how he looks in the new James Bond. He looks a little craggy in the new James Bond or Daniel Craggy. He's looking a little craggy, but I think it looks good.
1: I think he wears it well, and I'm always happy to see him, and I also am happy to talk about him. And I, I totally accept Daniel Craig's place in your heart.
0: I'm I'm glad you're not jealous of
1: him. I'm not jelly of Daniel Craig.
0: He's with Rachel Vice, so he doesn't have eyes for me. You don't have to worry about him. But yeah, this movie, Cowboys and Aliens, is a movie from 2011. It uh, had a big budget. And it didn't make a lot of money at the box office, so it definitely qualifies for a tentpole trauma. It's also one of those movies that I feel like has just pretty much disappeared from people's collective memories. I don't think many people ever even think of this movie at all, ever, except for our, our good friend Magna Viking, our good friend and listener. Um, he wanted to hear our take on it. It was on the list of movies that I planned to talk about. So I was happy to do it. And yeah, I just figured you and I could do this pretty easily.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I was happy to watch it because this was my first viewing. And I know you've seen it um Uh, probably a few times now
0: I have seen it a couple of times now but let's get into just a quick sort of background on this movie interestingly this was a concept that was kicking around since 1994 and it was originally just like a film pitch that this guy uh, made I don't have his name right in front of me who cares? He's a guy that worked for or he was just pitching movies and then he couldn't get this made. So he actually turned it into a comic book in um, 2006. And around this time in 2006 and you know, before and after, there were a lot of uh, people who were sort of taking their Hollywood pitches and making them into comic books. You know, they'd make them into graphic novels, mm-hmm. basically, and sort of sell them the idea as a graphic novel and then the studios would look at them and say oh okay let's make this it kind of got a lot of flack from the comic book reading public because uh, you could sort of sniff out these projects pretty easily after a while it'd be like oh there's like limited run of comics that's got this high concept idea and it's you could just tell like oh it's this is just somebody trying to pitch their big budget movie to hollywood
1: first i didn't know that i think that's really interesting um Secondly, I could totally see this as a comic book. Like, this seems like it would fit well into the world of comics. Yes. I can understand comic book fans bristling against, like, kind of feeling like they're being used in a sense, I think. Their medium is being used. But what a clever way to pitch your idea because you're actually, like, you're not just having to do some quick elevator pitch, especially for something that's so grand is this like you know and and what's going to be happening like you're actually being able to show someone has drawn like a storybook or a storyboard so to speak of your film i understand why the comic community would not like it but i am kind of impressed i think it's a very clever way to get something like this made
0: i think the main reason why comic readers didn't like it was because the creators would just sort of abandon it immediately after it was out. There was no real intention to continue it on as a series, and you know what comic book readers get invested in is ongoing stories. So I don't think it was so much that they were bristling at the idea of the comic. I think they were just bristling at the fact that once it was out there and got picked up as a movie, then they wouldn't continue with the comic. Well,
1: and that's what I'm... I'm so we're saying the same thing. Yeah. I'm saying that they're bristling at the idea because they're feeling used. Yes, like exactly, they Like, they're, yes. they're feeling like they've been used and just, you know, t- it's just been tossed aside. Whereas, yes, series is the whole thing. Like, you want Like, that's what's great about comics. And, you know, you may only get, like, even from... The superhero films is you only get like maybe one story in a film or maybe it's from a couple of different comics or whatever but then you can still get more like there's always more
0: if you were really invested in the world of cowboys and aliens And wanted to see the continuing adventures of Jake Lonergan fighting—I don't know—werewolves or whatever he was going to fight next. You weren't going to get it. No, the comics feel cheated to you. Yeah, so I think that's kind of where the resentment comes.
1: I get it. No, I I totally get that. But also, kudos to this guy for doing it and getting his film made
0: yeah no i mean it is definitely a clever way to get your idea out there and yeah comics um are visual medium and so ideas that are sort of Visual and imaginative can be expressed very clearly in comics, so it makes sense, you know,
1: especially for this. Like I get, like I said, I can't imagine an elevator pitch for this. Yeah, like this is kind of it's the concept is kind of bananas.
0: Well, the elevator pitch would just be, There's cowboys <laughs> and aliens. <laughs> I, I know, mean, it's the title, I it's know, like snakes on a plane, or sure, whatever. I guess you know, where do you go from there? Yeah. You can go a lot of places. I have not read the comic, but it apparently is only slightly resembles the movie like the setup is the same where you have this outlaw who can't remember who he is and he's got this weapon on his arm and he doesn't know what it is that's basically the same and there's aliens and stuff but beyond that i think it was completely redone for the screen so comic book is not that much like the movie to my knowledge but anyway so yeah it ended up in the hands of john favreau Now, do you have any thoughts or opinions on Jon Favreau as a director or an actor or anything?
1: Yeah, I'm a fan of his. I I like, he didn't direct Swingers, did he?
0: No, Doug Liman did. Doug
1: Liman did, okay. But I feel like I've seen other stuff that he's directed, though. He
0: directed Made, which was sort of like Swingers. Right,
1: yeah. So yeah I don't know maybe I'm not as familiar with him as a director as I am as an actor and I do like him as an actor I, th- I think he's great.
0: I am definitely pretty familiar with him as a director and an actor too obviously I've seen most of the stuff he's acted in he obviously he's uh, Happy Hogan in the Marvel movies, so he shows up in a lot of the Iron Man movies, he's been in the Spider-Man mm-hmm. movies and Avengers movies, but I also am a big fan of him most recently because of The Mandalorian. He created The Mandalorian and he wrote, I think, most of the episodes and uh, he actually didn't hasn't directed a lot of The Mandalorian, but he's basically the main creative force, him and Dave Filoni, behind The Mandalorian. And interestingly, in relation to this film, The Mandalorian is very heavily influenced by Westerns. Um, You know, Star Wars, obviously... Was already sort of influenced by westerns, but the Mandalorian sort of takes it to a whole nother level. He's very much a gunslinger, mm-hmm. man with no namey type of character. Most of the stories are the kind of stories that you would see in a western. I mean, there's even an episode where Timothy Oliphant plays like a sheriff in a town, and you know, it's, it's straight up western for most most of it. Mm-hmm. Like in terms of its sort of the genre that it's aping. So while I was watching. This today, I was sort of reminded of that. Of like, oh no, John Favreau kind of likes westerns, and you can sort of tell from this movie. And he has gone on to sort of incorporate more of that ideas into The Mandalorian and also putting it in a sci fi setting. So I would say The Mandalorian is probably the more successful take on a sci-fi western uh
1: yeah (laughs) i think everyone has like mandalorian fever um and i don't think we can say the same about this film
0: no but i don't think that it's an outright terrible movie or anything but we'll we'll get into it i'll get your your thoughts and i have no idea what you think of this movie (laughs) so yeah I'm, i'm i'm a fan of jean favreau the you know the writers who are involved in this are uh uh, Roberto Orsi and um, the other guy that he works with, and also Damon Lindelof uh, from Lost. And more recently, he sort of redeemed himself with Watchmen
1: and the leftovers.
0: Leftovers, yeah. He also uh, wrote Prometheus. This was really the time when it was people were really bagging on Damon Lindelof because I think Lost ended around 2010, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, he took a lot of the blame for that. And then this came out, people were like, eh. And then Prometheus came out, he co-wrote that, and people were unhappy with that. So I remember from 2012 on, it was sort of like, Damon Lindelof sucks. <laughs> yeah. And then he did Watchmen and kind of redeemed himself. And The Leftovers, too. But Watchmen was definitely, people were really worried about it because he was involved and everybody was like, Damon Lindelof's going to ruin Watchmen and...
1: Whereas, like, The Leftovers, nobody had um, any investment in that. No. It was just like, but I, I think he did a great job with that, too.
0: He did, yeah. There wasn't a lot of nerd investment yeah. in the, the Leftovers. There's a huge nerd investment in Watchmen. Oh, yeah. So that was high stakes. Oh, it's Roberto Orsi and Alex Kurtzman. Sorry, Alex Kurtzman. I forgot your name.
1: Well, I'm glad you got that in there.
0: They were involved. There were a bunch of other writers, too, but those were the three big heavy hitter writers who were involved in this. Now, when this came out in 2011, I did not see it in the theater. I don't know. I just didn't have the wherewithal to see it. It just sort of passed me by. So, yeah, I didn't see it until it came out on Blu-ray. And when I first watched it on Blu-ray, I was like, eh, it was all right. I don't think I was like fully paying attention the whole time. I got kind of uh, bored with it and sort of tuned it out. And then I came back to it not too long ago. I mean, maybe six months or maybe a year now. I watched it again and I was like, "Eh, it's it's not bad. You know, I I kind of reevaluated it.
1: I don't remember this film at all. I think I might have been working at Cinephile, the video store at the time. And I remember I was going to the New Art a lot, too. And I just don't think I was on my radar for big budget stuff. Yeah. But I, I honestly have and I like Daniel Craig and I like a lot of the the cast. And we'll get into that. And I am a fan of Westerns and I do like aliens too but it's like i was looking into the deadlights, and we'll get into that later (laughs) regarding this film because i just completely passed me by i
0: was aware of it i just didn't get around to seeing it it was you know late in the summer i had other things to do i don't think the reviews were particularly glowing although they weren't terrible it was it got sort of middling reviews and i was just like eh i'll catch it when it comes out on Blu ray. It's
1: our fault that it didn't do well, I guess.
0: Oh, well. Oh, well. All right, well, let's get into Cowboys and Aliens. Our film opens up with our main protagonist, Jake Lonergan, as played by the incredibly handsome (laughs) and steely eyed. Daniel Craig. He basically wakes up in the desert, and he's got a pretty bad wound in his side, and he's got this strange device that he doesn't know what it is attached to his wrist, which is really weird for a cowboy because this is the 1800s, and That's we don't right. have that kind of thing back then. And uh, like these rustlers or something show up, and they give him a hard time, but then he fights back and kills them, and realizes this thing on his hand can do some pretty crazy shit and uh so yeah that's the basic setup and we also sort of get the sense that he doesn't know what's going on yep he is amnesiac exactly so uh yeah how did you feel coming into this with this opening scene
1: i I thought it was a a fine opening scene i thought it was you know it's like i want to know what's going on too i'm right there with you daniel craig like what what is this thing on your arm Who are you? Wow, you can kick ass. You're obviously some sort of fighting man that can, like, handle himself because he totally takes down, like, it was like five guys. Yeah. And then he, yeah, he takes off uh, into town.
0: I'm pretty sure there's one shot where you see Daniel Craig jump at a guy on a horse and tackle him off the horse. And I'm pretty sure that's Daniel Craig doing it for real. I may have been tricked, but I was like, whoa, Daniel Craig really threw himself at that dude and tackled him off of a horse.
1: It's Daniel Craig. I just like to believe he does all the stunts.
0: I do think this movie looks good. Oh, yeah. I think it's shot well. I think the action is pretty decent, and I think the performances are pretty solid all around. would agree. Uh, Daniel Craig wanders into the town of Absolution, and he meets uh, Clancy Brown, Mm -hmm. who's playing a preacher, Uh, an unusual... Part for Clancy Brown in that he's a sympathetic character who's not a villain in any way. I'm just so primed to think of Clancy Brown as being the villain. So as soon as he shows up, I'm like, oh, he's the bad guy. And it's like, no, he's not.
1: No, he's always a creep, pretty much, in and, yeah. and his roles. And it was great to see him as this good, likable preacher, like very down to earth or whatever like he was just kind of not I mean you know he's he's religious but yeah. he's also living he's a realist yes. also and I, I just yeah I just I was endeared to him
0: sort of a salt of the earth yeah. type of guy
1: yeah like one of those people or preachers or whatever that has probably seen some shit and done some shit in his life and you know has found God or whatever now and is you know doing that thing but he's lived
0: so he recognizes that daniel craig probably is a trouble of some sort but because he's a preacher he offers to sew him up and stuff so he sews him up And then they're sort of drawn outside by this kerfuffle that happens. There's a young man who is causing some problems at the local saloon. He's played by Paul Dano, who's an interesting actor to me. I have yet to fully embrace Paul Dano, although I kind of can see that he's very talented. I'm excited to see what he does with the character of the Riddler. He's playing the Riddler in the new Batman movie. I could see that. Yeah, so I think... He could be good. I noticed this time he's quite tall. He is very tall. He doesn't seem tall because he's got this kind of childlike face, you know, like he's going to look like a child for his whole life. And that is played to the hilt in this movie. He's sort of a just rotten
1: adult man baby.
0: (laughs) Um, But he's giving the barkeep a hard time because he's gotten drunk and he's not going to pay him, and the barkeep is Doc, and he is played by Sam Rockwell, who is an actor that I really love. I always love to see Sam Rockwell. I really kind of like him in this movie. It seems like sort of a nothing part, but he kind of does something with it. He's this former doctor, I guess, who's come out to the West. He's got a Hispanic wife who really loves him. They've opened up this saloon, and he's kind of feels like he's not really a man because... You know, he's probably a guy who's well-educated. He was a doctor before. He's not used to living out in the Wild West. This is sort of an archetypal character we see sometimes in Westerns. The, you know, educated man who's now living out West, and he just can't really cut it with all the cowboys and all the tough guys and the and the bandits.
1: He's out of his element, is what it is. Like, he's, he's followed his dream, according to his wife. This is what they wanted to do, was open this bar out west. Just because that's his dream doesn't mean he's going to, like you said, be able to fit into this new world. Yeah. So to speak. So yeah, I I like him too. I always like Sam Rockwell. I also I'm a fan of Paul Dano, so I was happy to see him in this. And I, I think he's great as this horrible, entitled, uh, young adult.
0: We find out that he is the son of like the big cattle rancher in the area. So he gets to basically do whatever he wants. And nobody can really say anything. He's to like
1: him. Francis and <laughs> Pee Wee's Big Adventure. So I was, I totally kept thinking, I was like, he's like Francis.
0: That's funny, yeah, that's <laughs> totally what he's like. But he's got this American Indian sidekick, or he's sort of like his guardian, and he'll sort of figure importantly into the story. So he's causing these problems, he's like knocking off Sam Rockwell's glasses and like shooting at the at the dirt and stuff and shooting at Sam Rockwell's bar and everything. The local sheriff gets called in, who is uh, Keith Carradine, Paul Dano's just not going to behave. He he goes around and he's trying to collect money facetiously from people. And he goes up to Daniel Craig, who's sort of sitting there looking cool, watching him. And Daniel Craig basically like knees him in the balls.
1: Yeah, it's, it's pretty great.
0: Yeah, it's something that you definitely want to see. I think Paul Dano's good in this movie. He sort of disappears from the movie, though. Like he's in this sort of setup, but then he's gone.
1: Well, he's literally taken.
0: Yes, he's literally taken. (laughs) So Paul Dano is arrested by Keith Carradine. I think Keith Carradine does a great job here. He's also in a sort of smaller role. But, you know, Keith Carradine in a Western, that's a no-brainer. And he takes him to jail. Keith Carradine also realizes that Daniel Craig is an outlaw. And there's wanted posters for him around. So he knows he's got to take him in. There's also a character that's sort of hanging around in the periphery played by Olivia Wilde mm-hmm. and she's sort of just uh, she's kind of a kind of cowgirly type of person, but it's not really made clear. She's kind of watching and hovering in the background. She comes up to Daniel Craig at the bar and wants to talk to him, but he's only interested in drinking. And then Keith Carradine and his men come in to arrest Daniel Craig. A fight ensues, and then Olivia Wilde knocks him out. So he is then taken in.
1: Well, yeah, and they have both he and Paul Dano there because they're waiting for the marshal to come pick them up.
0: And Daniel Craig gets another shot in. Paul Dano comes too close to the bars, and Daniel Craig grabs him and slams his head against the bars, knocking him out.
1: Well, because Paul Dano woke Daniel Craig up by spitting on him. So gross. Yeah. Like he was like literally like just like snake spitting on him over and over again until it woke him up. And Daniel Craig was kind of dreaming, um, again, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't know who he is, doesn't know his past, but he was having these these very vivid dreams about uh a lady yeah and and seeing her and um like a place where they had lived and I think this is when he was dreaming about uh the gold. And everything, too, where he brought gold in and you kind of are starting to understand that he's, um, you know, an outlaw. I mean, we we know that from the posters, but like, I mean, he's like, you know, robbing stagecoaches and whatever to get, get gold.
0: A lot of this stuff that's sort of going on in the backstory, like with his wife, who we learned was a former prostitute and he's part of this gang and they stole this gold and everything. All of this stuff is very kind of archetypally Western, mm-hmm. too. Like, I feel yep. like the way this movie is constructed, it's very much a Western. The aliens are just kind of dialed in there. They're just taking the place of what normally, like, the American Indians would be. like Or whoever
1: the big bad Western. is.
0: Yeah, like whoever, or rustlers, or, or yeah, whatever. Whoever. In some ways, it's a strength of the film, because these things, if you're familiar with Western tropes, are kind of... Shortcuts, you are like, oh, he's the guy who fell in love with the prostitute and now they live out in this one little shack out in the middle of the plains. They always live in that shack. I feel like I've seen that shack in a million Westerns. So many. So many. Clint Eastwood goes to see his wife and then, you know, and then she gets killed. And they set the
1: shack on fire. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's
0: it's like the outlaw of Josie Wales, I believe, has that exact same sort of backstory. And there's a lot of that in in this movie. I'm not I'm not offering that as a criticism. I think in some ways it works well, just because you're like, oh, I know this, I know how this goes. Well, you
1: know? yeah, and I, well, I think it's yeah, it's a familiarity, a familiarity. It, it's um, it's like kind of legitimizing the westernness of it. It's yeah. like this is a western, and I yeah, I like all of those things. And I was thinking, I'm like, this is actually a pretty interesting idea because kind of along the lines of how we've talked about hauntings and things that, you know, seem to happen over only really in certain times or, or, you know, the, the specters are from a certain time. Mm-hmm. Alien invasions are always kind of in present day. Right. You know, I mean, even, or, you know, even if the, the film is from the seventies you know, or eighties or whatnot, it's present day when it's happening. Like yeah. we haven't really seen something that's in the past. And why if there are aliens, then why wouldn't they be invading all the time?
0: Well, I guess the idea would be that if they did, then everyone would know that there were aliens and we've never had contact. We haven't had first contact with aliens. But I mean, in this movie, it's done in a way so that they would be forgotten or whatever. Right. Most alien invasion stories. Have a moment where everyone's like, oh, my God, there's aliens now sure. that we've had that moment where we know there's somebody else out there in the universe. But, you know, right. you can get around. that.
1: But they, yeah, they do work around that with this. Yeah.
0: It has been done a few times in different things. There's a movie called Outlander, not to be confused with the TV show but uh, that stars like Jim Caviezel that has him fighting like an alien from outer space in like Viking times. It has a sort of similar thing where he's actually from outer space. Like we're, we're going to find out Olivia Wilde is anyway, not to digress, but you're right. It's not a very common type of thing, but it, there's, it has been some movies and stuff that have had aliens showing up in the past. And of course you have to make it so that at the end There's no proof of it or whatever. Sure. So, yeah, after that, what it basically happens is the aliens come and start shooting up the town. They start flying in and they grab people with their, like, alien lassos, Uh like they're cattle rustlers. They're in these sort of flying ships, and it's the big action scene that sort of kicks off the story. And, you know, the whole time Daniel Craig's like, trapped in this uh, stage stagecoach stage chained to paul dano supposed and to be stuff. going
1: to the federal marshal so they're they're chained to one another and the the coach pit, tips over and you know he's trying to get out and he tells paul dano like i can get you out just let me get you out and he breaks his hand
0: yeah <laughs> i'd like to see paul dano get abused
1: I, I i didn't i mean that character was well deserving of some pain again going back to what we normally see as far as alien abductions go you know it's usually like a light beaming somebody yeah. up or you know or they just disappear or whatever but it's like here we're actually seeing kind of like a like a lasso slash bungee cord or something that's like reaching out and grabbing these people and and taking them off with these kind of fighter jet looking crafts of some sort. Like they look like um, they look like they're not manned.
0: They seem like drones, although we do do see uh, aliens come out of them at some point. Yeah, I appreciate that they do a kind of lasso-y type of thing just to keep it in In the the Western Western feel of it. But I mean, the big kind of element that's introduced here is uh, we meet our other sort of main protagonist played by Harrison Ford. He's Dollar Hyde, who is the big cattle rancher. He's riding into town to get his kid out of the Hooskow, and that's when the aliens attack. Now, how do you feel about Harrison Ford in this movie and in this role? Do you like him as Dollar Hyde?
1: I I really do, and I actually, I I like the character of Dollar Hyde. I like that, and, and I feel that. This film actually does a good job of, like, the, the, a lot of the characters are, are complex. Yes. They're not, you know, just you're bad and you're the good guy or whatever, you know. I mean, right out the gate, we already have Daniel Craig, who, you know, we don't know fully his past, but it's troubled. I mean, if he's, if he's wanted by the law, you know, he's obviously done some unsavory things. And, you know, again, Dollarhide, who's, like, the the big deal in town— is also a giant asshole Yep. with a shitty son. And, you know, we, we go through a, a lot with him and come out like in Dollarhide.
0: Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's actually pretty well done the way he's handled. He yeah. gets sort of a whole s- story arc yeah. that plays out. I feel like Harrison Ford is doing a pretty good job. I think like, so.
1: I think he's well cast.
0: This was, you know, coming off an era of Harrison Ford stuff where he seemed to really be sort of phoning it in. He seemed like almost in danger of Bruce Willising out. You know, he'd just be grumpy and gruff. And he is just grumpy and gruff in this movie. But I feel like he's giving a performance and he he's playing it well and he's letting the character evolve and stuff. So I give him credit for doing a good job in this movie. Obviously, I love Harrison Ford. Oh, but yeah. You know, he can be guilty of phoning it in. And I don't feel like he's really phoning it in here. So, yeah, I mean, this basically just sets off the plot in motion, which more or less involves a big posse of guys and one gal and a kid and a dog. The kid is uh, the grandson or something of David Carradine. Yeah. And Carradine. The, the
1: backstory of the kid is that I think his um, mother had died also in the town. I don't know what happened to the father, but all he really has is his grandfather at this point and his grandfather gets taken.
0: This kid's name is Noah Ringer. The year before this, he had done that terrible M. Night Shyamalan, *Last Airbender. He was the main kid in that. Mm-hmm. Got a lot of flack for that. I think he's probably the weak link here. I know that's kind of a unfair thing to level at a child actor. He does fine, but he's definitely not great and I can kind of see why he sort of disappeared after this. This was just kind of his moment as a kid actor where he was showing up and stuff.
1: I didn't have a problem with him. I didn't really care. I didn't
0: have a problem with him. I just didn't think he was exceptional. I wasn't like oh let's watch for this kid you know like he's not that good. He's he's fine. He fits the bill. He does the job but.
1: Well. He hasn't really done anything since then. So I think that was his last role was cowboys and aliens, to be honest. Like, he hasn't done anything.
0: Well, I hope he's doing something that he finds satisfying.
1: Well, I was reading just because now I'm curious. Uh, I was just reading his little bio on IMDb and um, apparently he's really into Taekwondo. Hopefully he's enjoying life doing Taekwondo and just being a kid because he's... Well, he's was born in 97. So. Well, he's not a kid anymore. No, he's got to be, what, like, God, like in his 20s now? Yeah, 97. he would been 20
0: in 2017.
1: Wow. So he's like 24.
0: I hope he's not. I hope he's normal. not. I weird. hope he's not weird. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if you're out there, Noah Ringer, no offense.
1: No offense. No, we hope you're living your best life. And I think you're great in this. Cowboys and Aliens is our dog, Annie's new favorite film yes because annie loves westerns because she loves horses yep. they're really exciting and this film has a dog in it as well who's with us the whole time thankfully Yep. uh spoilers sorry but it's it's i'm happy to see that because anytime a beloved Dog shows up on screen, I'm like, oh God.
0: Yeah, if you're thinking if you're a dog lover who doesn't like to see dogs getting killed and you wanna watch Cowboys and Aliens, yeah. feel free. There is a moment where it seems like the dog might have gotten killed by an alien, but don't you worry the dog reappears
1: well because in a lot of westerns that is the motivation for as it was it was uh was it pale rider i think that was one of the main uh motivations was the girl her dog had gotten like they they, they, they killed everyone like in the town and right, then they like yeah. and then they like killed her dog too like it was just terrible i think it was pale rider was, so. like, yeah but yeah so yes dog is fine in this Annie was thrilled. Annie does something. um, I did capture some photos of it, so maybe I'll share it on social media. But um, she gets really excited and runs over and puts her paws up on the console so she can get as close to the TV as possible.
0: This is all true.
1: Yeah, and it's all great. So anyway, that was one of the highlights of watching this today was seeing Annie's excitement.
0: Horses and a dog together. Forget it. Five stars. Five stars. From Annie. That's right. So, yeah, I mean, from here, the movie is basically just a bunch of men and one woman and a kid and a dog riding out to track down these aliens. One of the aliens was wounded in the initial attack in the town. And so, you know, everybody's got their sort of own motivations for going after this thing. Uh, Harrison Ford wants to get his son back and Sam Rockwell wants to get his wife back. So, you know, they form and the themselves young kids the trying posse. to get,
1: get the sheriff back because right. it's his grandpa. I mean, like there's yeah, it's it's mainly they're they're trying to go and get the people back that were taken. I mean, yes. that's that's the main motivation. And yeah, they have this this motley crew, this posse that's heading out and they just can't catch a break. No. Like, I mean, that's kind of what, you know, it's, it's, I think that's kind of standard beats for like going on a quest Yeah, is just, you know, they keep running into like, first, I think they run into what we find out to be Daniel Craig's old gang. I think yep. that's the first people they run into.
0: Yeah. I mean, we have a little brief moment where Daniel Craig refuses the call and the Cambellian journey. He's like, I'm not going with you. And then he goes off to his old shack in the middle of the plains. Yeah. And then starts to remember some stuff yeah. and remembers his wife. And that's, I guess, motivation for him to come back to the the gang. yeah. Then, at one point, they run into, yeah, the, his his old gang. So we're sort of getting. Some understanding of who he was before he lost his memory. And we get the great Walton Goggins. Love
1: him, love him, love him.
0: It's always good to see Walton Goggins. He fits right into Westerns. You got to have him in there if you have a Western these days. Oh, yeah. Daniel Craig punches him in the mouth and breaks his teeth. And so... Walton's kind of like, Did you break my teeth? You broke my tooth. <laughs> <laughs> he's very comedic in this movie. Walton Goggins is either going to be kind of a comedic figure or he's going to be a villainous figure. He's not much of a villain in this. He's really actually kind of sympathetic, but he's he's comedic he's played for comedy i
1: think some of his villainous characters are, still have yes. still have comedy to right. it right there's like, you
0: there's crossover there's humor there too. In there
1: yeah because he's just his his timing is just so great he's such a great fun actor that's i mean daniel craig like doesn't recognize any of these people he's like you know because they they roll up on them and and this gang of people are like all right this is a hold up you know this is what we're doing and then they're like boss you know gong's like boss is that you you know where did you go you know so that's that that's how we're introduced to daniel craig's former life
0: yeah and i like the way daniel craig is playing it here he's like so do we have all our men yeah (laughs) all how many of them and walton goggins like
1: 30 30? yeah he's like yes 30
0: (laughs) that's how many there are now i will say i've seen daniel craig now in a bunch of roles where he's playing an american he struggles a little with his accent. It's not perfect here. I think he does a pretty good job because it's a western, so he's kind of, you know, getting to sort of exaggerate having a a little bit of a drawl. He did really well in Knives, Knives Out. Knives Out,
1: I was like, Knives Out, his draw is perfection. Yeah,
0: but it's exaggerated. Yeah. He gets away with it when he can be exaggerated with it.
1: I don't know. I didn't notice that, but you got your eyes on Craig, so.
0: I mean, I think he does fine, but you definitely hear little slips here and there where he doesn't quite nail it. But, I mean, I think he's got such a great face for a Western Oh,
1: absolutely. Character.
0: I sort of wish he would be in another Western one of these days. Maybe he will. But this, to my knowledge, is the only one I can think of off the top of my head. And I feel like he fits in well in the Western milieu.
1: Oh, yeah. it would be great.
0: I really like when we see the wanted posters of him and he's yeah. just got this bug-eyed look on his face. It's so great. <laughs> but, yeah, he basically can't really get the gang to go along with him. And then do, do they get attacked by aliens here?
1: I think they get attacked by aliens here. I feel here. like
0: the movie sets up all these sort of scenes where... Like, oh, they're now they're in a jam because of whatever, because of, you know, either the outlaws or later we get Native Americans yeah. or whatever. And then some alien thing happens that's to just kind of like shake it up so they can get away or whatever.
1: Right. Well, that's, that's, that's what I was saying. Like, it's that the quest formula or whatever. It's like yeah. they just, you know, it's like, OK, now we meet the the outlaws and then then aliens show up or whatever and we scatter. Yeah. Then they get into a rainstorm. So they go
0: to this. Boat. It's a river boat that's upside down, which is pretty cool. I think that's really cool. Yeah, and it's like not
1: anywhere near the river. That was the other thing. Two hundred miles. Yeah, people like it's. There's no river around here, so it's a great visual. I really like this part of the movie.
0: I do too. It's cool, and it it kind of the movie slows down here for a minute, and we get some character stuff as they're sort of riding out the storm. Uh, in this upside down riverboat. It kind of reminded me the set a little bit of the Poseidon I was thinking Adventure, that too, yes. Because we watched that not too yeah. long ago and it's a lot of upside downs. Totally. I like a boat upside down, I don't know what to tell you. Put me in an upside down boat and I'm happy. I'm here for it too. But you know, we get some nice stuff with the characters like Harrison Ford has a good moment with the kid where he like gives him a knife. Well, first he's having this moment with the Indian, the Native American guy who's the handler of his son. And there's a sort of brief moment where Harrison Ford's kind of mean to him. We get the sense that Harrison Ford has a thing against the Native Americans because of... His past, he was in the army and he he came upon a bunch of settlers being murdered or whatever. It's again, like I'm talking about this sort of shorthand. Yeah, this is just something that you see has happened to people in westerns. So the movie sort of cleverly just uses that as his backstory as to why he doesn't like Native Americans. Well, and
1: he's just like he's, you know the actor and i was looking i think his name is alex beach does that sound right for the the guy who's like the right hand native american guy his name is uh adam beach because adam i've seen him in other stuff I, I recognize his face he was in i think he was in flags of our fathers and he was actually in suicide squad slipknot
0: oh okay yeah mm-hmm. All right. yeah
1: i just recognize his face anyway he was talking about some stories that Harrison Ford used to tell. And yeah. then he's like, Well, those were meant for my son, not for your ears. And go check on the horses. You know, he's just being kind of a dick. And then he's eating an apple and he's cutting it off and he's eating it. And the little boy, Max, I think, what is his name? Noah? I can't remember his name. <laughs> the
0: Noah Ringer is the Noah
1: Ringer is the character. I'm sorry. But I Emmett's
0: the character. Noah Ringer's the okay. actor. Yeah.
1: I was just having such a hard time with the Don't names. worry
0: about the names. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. Anyway, the little boy is um just kind of like mad dogging him, watching him because he's hungry, I'm sure. And, uh, and Harrison Ford finally offers him a piece of apple, and then he's like, You like my knife? And then, uh, the kid's just doesn't say anything the whole time, he's just like nodding, and he's just he ends up giving him the knife. He's like, You look after it. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's we start to see like a little bit of a softer side to Colonel, uh, money bags what's his name, Colonel uh, dollar
0: hide dollar hide just think of the killer in uh red dragon and manhunter it's dollar hide oh, same name yeah i think later harrison ford tells him to st- like how to stab somebody with a knife or whatever and then near the end of the movie the kid is going to stab one of the aliens because they have these Sort of armored chests that open up and these secondary hands come out, which are kind of cool.
1: I thought the aliens looked pretty neat, by the way. I was, so, I, I mean, yeah. as far as that goes, like I thought they were they were pretty interesting.
0: I'm of two minds about the aliens because, on one hand, I think they're pretty okay designed. I like their eyes; they have these yeah. sort of almost frog-like eyes. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I do like the secondary hands that come out. Kind
1: of more like lizards, actually. Yeah, like yeah. lizardy
0: amphibian. Yeah.
1: Reptilian.
0: They are kind of a little bit generic in that way of monster design that I feel has been like a thing since CG became the way that we put our monsters on the screen. Like I feel like a lot of... CG designers designed similar looking things, like the Cloverfield monster looked kind of like these guys. The thing in in Super 8 looked kind of like this. Well, and wasn't
1: this around the same time? All around the same
0: time, yeah. If Troy was on, he would have a lot to say about it, because it's definitely... A sort of CG animator thing. These designs tend to get a little bit sort of recycled through all these movies. You feel like all these guys have worked on the same movies. So we get these sort of similar designs. But I think for the purpose of this story, these aliens are fine. And I think the animation is good. The special effects are really good i mean all the production values are top notch for sure
1: i didn't feel like it was too cg looking or anything to be honest like and i'm pretty sensitive to that
0: yeah it's not that it's too cg looking it's just that when they're cg creatures they seem to all come from the same factory
1: yeah the same design but maybe that's what all aliens look like maybe Maybe we just don't know
0: they definitely don't suck i'm not like oh these aliens suck but they're just a little bit generic y. At the end of the movie, we need to have one of them have a distinctive marking yeah. so that we know he's the one that tortured Daniel Craig. Sure they're no xenomorphs let's just put it that no, way no
1: they're not but I, I i especially know what you're talking about as far as like cloverfield and and that look and super eight especially with um i would say more with the body types yeah like they always have like those really muscular and they're like long arms and legs and spindly, spindly long but arms but mus- with like but mus- big mus-
0: thick bodies and, and, and
1: musc you can see the mus- muscle definition in the in the legs and, and sort stuff. of
0: squat heads yeah like i it always cracks me up whenever you see a CG monster in a movie at all the first thing it does is like roar at whoever it's attacking and like spittle comes out of its mouth it's like just once I'd like to see a monster that doesn't roar at you first hello (laughs) 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 what up (laughs) but anyway that pretty much covers the monsters we also should let you know that we watched the extended version we did yes which I I I think I could identify where the extended scenes were. Uh, The version I had was only the extended version. I felt a little bad subjecting Jen to the extended version right off the bat. But I actually thought it worked a little bit better. I
1: didn't mind. I wasn't like, this is still going on. Like, I, I, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I enjoyed this watch of cowboys and aliens. Like, you know, I don't... No one, if and when I'll watch it again or I'll have a hankering to watch it again but I might I certainly liked it more than I thought I would
0: we have been watching a lot of westerns too lately so I think you're also kind of like steeped in the genre at this point so it's kind of more fun to watch this movie I think if you really enjoy westerns because you can kind of see all the sort of tropes they're using and the way they're sort of playing with them I think it can make it for a more enjoyable experience like I hadn't seen as as many Westerns as I've seen now yeah. when I saw this the first time and I got a little bored with it the first time because I just wasn't really into Westerns that much. But
1: now we're way into Westerns.
0: We're pretty into Westerns so, these days. Yeah,
1: this this was the right time to watch it. I think I think I caught this at a good time for me personally, but I mean, the, the film just, you know, continues with things getting in their way. They're trying to basically... We do learn that Olivia Wilde is not human.
0: Yeah, well, what happens is um, they find the alien that they're tracking in the riverboat. I think we've gotten it out of order, and I think they run into the Rustlers after the riverboat. Okay, And then I think they're trying to escape from them because they're like riding over this plane. And then... While the rustlers are chasing them, mm-hmm. then the aliens it's come, come swooping okay. down and they start snatching people up, right. including like his old gang or whatever. Right. right. And then one of the spaceships snatches up Olivia Wilde. Yeah. Daniel Craig at this point has sort of grown s- something of an attachment to her. Yes. Because they're the attractive leads of the movie. Yeah. And, and we should say that Olivia Wilde is quite a beautiful woman. Oh,
1: she's stunning. Her
0: and Daniel Craig are well matched because they have both got like these, these- Ice blue eyes. eyes. Yeah. Piercing. Right. Which, you know, they've color timed the movie to really make them pop. This is what I would call an orange and teal movie where it's like a lot of like oranges and then teals of their eyes and stuff. I also would like to say about Olivia Wilde, you know, we've seen her in a lot of stuff, including um, the that HBO 70s show, not The Deuce, the other one about the record company.
1: Oh, right. Vinyl. Vinyl. Yeah.
0: Which got canceled but she was good in she was great in that to her credit she's become a director now she's transitioned into directing she directed book Book smart Smart. yep Mm -hmm. and she's got some other projects lined up and she's a good director so go olivia Wilde.
1: also as an actor she's done a lot of different things yeah like she was in that other sci-fi film that we liked that took place where they were doing experiments in like a basement of a college, you remember?
0: Oh yeah, I like
1: yeah. it. it. Was so, I mean, it was fun. <laughs> well, most
0: people did not like that movie. I forget what it's called. What now. it's called? Yeah.
1: I was like thinking it was the Flat Flatliners remake. It's
0: very much like Flatliners. But,
1: but but there also was a Flatliners remake that she's not in, so that's why. Yeah, I do need to look that up. It was, oh, it's the Lazarus Effect.
0: The Lazarus Effect. Yeah.
1: Another sci-fi film. She was good in that.
0: Yeah, she's good.
1: She's good. She can't help what the rest of the Lazarus effect was.
0: She's also in Tron Legacy, which may or may not be one day discussed <laughs> on pole Trauma. We'll see. But yeah, she's great. She's gorgeous. She does a good job. And uh, yeah, so she gets snatched up by one of these ships and Daniel Craig goes running after her and we get this big sort of action scene where he somehow manages to jump on one of them by like riding his horse up a mountain and then jumping onto the ship and then he blows up the ship and they fall into the water and you think it's fine and then the alien that was in the ship comes out of the water and stabs her
1: that's when she gets injured yes yeah
0: and so he carries her back to the group and you know they have to walk through the desert and she's sort of dying and You know, she's like asked him about his wife and stuff. And, you know, did you love her or whatever? And he's like, I must have because, you know, he can't really remember everything. And uh, then he brings her back to the group and she's dead at that point.
1: But she had already shared with him earlier that she was not of this earth and that she had taken this form so she could just like. No,
0: she hadn't shared that with him. Yes, she had. She might hint at it, but she doesn't tell him that because later he's like. Don't ever do that to me again because when she comes back.
1: I think she had already told him.
0: We're going to have to disagree on this point.
1: We'll just disagree, but I'm pretty sure she had told him. Agree to disagree. We'll agree to disagree for our marriage. She definitely.
0: (laughs) 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 She definitely did not spell it out clearly. If she said something, it was not made clear. Okay. Because he thinks she's dead at this point
1: well yeah but she could have been there's no rules for her, even if she was see we don't know where she's from she she has explained that this thing has done something to her people
0: yes she said they did something to my people but uh-huh. she hasn't explained that she's from outer space too she just makes it sound like she's from some somewhere else in the country or something
1: i just am saying that there was something that made me think it was kind of a little odd when they because they kissed when they landed in the water. Yeah, that was their first kiss, and I kind of thought like, "Well, good for you, Daniel Craig. You're you're kissing this
0: otherworldly being." So you had figured out that she was well, from outer because space. Because I didn't at that figure
1: point? it out. I think she said something. I think she said, "I took this form so I would be accepted" or whatever.
0: She says that later. She says that when she comes back. I
1: guess we'll just need to watch it again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> she definitely, like you said, she says these. Creatures killed my people. She definitely says that. I think you're just smart enough to figure it out. She does not say, I'm an alien from outer space.
1: We'll see what Magna Viking has to say
0: about this. But she does later. Because what happens is he takes her back and now she's dead, but then they get set upon by Native Americans. Sure. And the Native Americans are Apaches, and the guy that's the sort of friend of Paul Dano, the handler, he can speak their language and he sort of communicates to them. but they bring them all back to like their bonfire and they throw her body right on the fire. Brutal. Brutal. Like Daniel Craig's like knocked down on the ground and he's watching like her body wrapped up, just burn. I'm going to call them Indians in the context of this discussion, just because that's how they're, called in the movie we know they're native americans we would not refer to them as indians in normal life but in the movie they're called indians and back in the day in the the old west that's what they were called incorrectly yes so yeah they're having this big indian bonfire and it's like oh they're going to presumably kill all the white men or whatever and then Olivia Wilde comes out of the fire like this magical being and reveals that she's from outer space. And the Indians are sort of taken by her because they're more spiritual beings than we are. And so they sort of accept the white people with the help of the guy who can talk to them and stuff and sort of explains who they are and what they're doing and what happened to them. And and the aliens had also attacked the Indians too, and taking some of their people. So common ground is reached.
1: Common ground is reached. And also Olivia Wilde can also speak their language. Right. Because she just starts speaking Apache or whatever. And everyone's like, huh. Because you know, she, she's this otherworldly being, so she can fluently communicate with them as well.
0: They need to find out where the alien base is, and nobody really knows where that is except Daniel Craig is having these f- sort of flash memories coming back to him, where he he wakes up in a lab, and there's like an alien working on him, and he escapes through like a tunnel or whatever, and you know he sees. The other people that have been captured and they're sort of staring up into space or whatever. These are just images that are sort of coming to him in these flashes. And they determine that they can figure out where it is if they sort of conduct this peyote like ceremony where he takes some kind of drug and Uh,
1: ayahuasca, whatever it is. And like, why would these aliens that are experimenting on him put this? thing on his wrist that can be used as a weapon against them.
0: I don't know.
1: I don't understand at all. It
0: seems like a dumb idea. It
1: seems like if you want <laughs> yeah. to experiment on someone or you're going to enslave them or whatever, like why would you give them this badass weapon on
0: their wrist? It doesn't make any okay. sense. But I, I would say if you're trying to do some work for the movie, maybe they're just testing out if they can turn people into zombies with weapons on them well, or something. It's, it's
1: fine. It didn't like it didn't like ruin the movie for me i just kind of thought i missed something because i was like did i zone out and like miss like why this is i just thought like at first you know until we see him firing it off that it was some sort of like tracking device or something like Mm -hmm. that that they had put on him you know
0: well they could have just had it be like he stole it you know he wakes up on the lab table and he just sees it and throws his hand in it and just steals it or something it's
1: really not that important i just I thought, like I said, I thought I missed something and I'm glad that it wasn't
0: me. No. Yeah. I thought the same thing while I was watching it this time. I was like, why did they put a weapon on him? That seems like a bad idea. They're not very smart aliens. So, yeah, I mean, Daniel Craig's figured out where the aliens are hanging out. So they get together with the Indian tribe and they all... Go track down the aliens where they are or did I miss something? No, oh,
1: no, no, no. Except for everyone decides there's there's, you know, a moment where they decide they're going to band together and go to where this ship is. Right. And then we see Daniel Craig right off. It's like, ah oh, he's he's abandoning us. Everyone's kind of bent. But it's because he's going, we find he goes back to his gang because they need more manpower.
0: They need more manpower. They also need to just tie this thread into the end of the movie. This is another thing that doesn't totally make sense to me where it's like, yeah, they need more manpower. So he's got to get the his old gang, get them back in the movie so we can have more Walton Goggins, which is always a good thing. More Goggins. I mean, he basically convinces them that like, if they don't help them destroy these aliens, they're going to take over the world, which I guess is true. But it's also like, if I was just this like scummy bandit or whatever they are, I'd be like, well, yeah, whatever. I'm going to Mexico. Have fun with that. (laughs) But you know, it's a movie and we've got to see that they're actually good guys in their hearts or whatever. But yeah, and this basically just leads us into our big action climax. I think in the extended version, one scene that I I recognize not being in the other versions is they have a scene where they have a campfire the night before and like Daniel Craig and Olivia Wilde have another kind of romantic moment. And, you know, there's just more character stuff like the um, guy who's part of the crew Mm -hmm. sort of gets to, actually partake in the ceremony with the other Indians, sort of making him feel more a part of right. his culture. So there's a little character moment for him there.
1: No, another big thing there is because the chief was ready to kill Harrison Ford, the guy who is works for Harrison Ford, we don't really know his, his role, but he's an, also an Indian. He's the one that's doing the translating, says a bunch of stuff to the chief, which Olivia Wilde, is telling Harrison Ford. Right. Where he's like, you know, he, he's saying that you're a good man and that you took me in after my parents were killed in the Mexican-Indian War. Yeah. And, you know, that you tr- you treated me really well and that, you know, and just like all these really kind things. And you can just see Harrison Ford's icy heart just melting, yeah. you know. He's realizing he was like a, a son to him. I
0: think that scene is in the original cut, but I think it's just way smaller. Yeah. I mean, it was called an extended cut, which I think just means that the scenes are extended. Go on a little longer. Yeah.
1: The other thing that we forgot to mention that we should mention before we get to the end is, you know, we did talk about Sam Rockwell's character, Doc, like, kind of being a fish out of water in the Wild West. Consistently throughout the film, he's trying to learn. He doesn't even know how to shoot a gun. Yeah. So he's trying to learn how to shoot a gun. And first, Clancy Brown is trying to teach him. And then yeah, I think one of the outlaws... That's kind of a moment between the two of them. They're talking about guns or something, too. And like, anyway, it's just a, a, a reoccurring theme that's going where he's trying to and he's not doing very well throughout it. Like you always see him aiming at some sort of target, and not hitting it. And Clancy
0: Brown was killed by the alien in the overturned boat. We that's forgot right. To mention we forgot
1: that. to mention that. Yeah.
0: I mean, characters have been dying here and there. You yeah. Know, we're getting away from going through every detail on this podcast. So you get the gist. People are dying. It happens in these movies. <laughs> they climb up the side of this alien ship. It's it's sort of like buried in the ground and there's a big like almost like building sticking out of the ground. Weirdly, the aliens are mining gold for some reason, which <laughs> that's another thing that I'm just like, huh? I, they explain it in Olivia the movie. Olivia Wilde
1: but. had said, like, they're after gold like you are. It's just as precious to them as it is to you. It's that rare. That's so ridiculous. That, and well, and that's what ultimately brought them to Daniel Craig and his lady. Right. Because Daniel Craig came in with a big bunch of gold and they were like, woo. And they came there. So, yeah, gold is is bad news.
0: This element of the movie just is like pretty flimsy, (laughs) flimsy. It doesn't work that well for me. It's fine. Yeah. But like, yeah, because Daniel Craig had stole a bunch of gold. And so they came after him because he had gold. Yes.
1: I think Harrison Ford's like, there's gold here, you know, because they're they're mining gold in this area. And they also have these caverns down there because these are nocturnal creatures pretty much like they can't i mean they can go out during the day they're not like vampires but they can't see
0: probably not a good idea then to invade a planet where half of the time it's in darkness this is kind of like the signs problem like the aliens and signs are like allergic to water like maybe don't pick a planet that's like mostly water then
1: especially if it was during daylight savings time i know in certain areas of the west where the sun never, just goes, never down, goes down, like Oregon, <laughs> for instance.
0: <sighs> anyway,
1: we like darkness,
0: so yeah. I mean, they uh, Daniel Craig and some other guy climb up the side of this thing and throw. A, A bundle of dynamite in there's like
1: three bundles of dynamite
0: there's a funny joke where the guy who's carrying the dynamite has all these matches matches and he drops all the matches and he's like we're gonna have to climb all the way back down to get the matches and daniel craig just takes the cigarette out of the guy's mouth (laughs) and lights it with that not a lot of jokes in this movie but uh, there's some good
1: goggins has some good stuff i mean daniel craig always has great like subtle comedic timing too um and we get some funny stuff from um, Sam Rockwell, yeah. too. Like, there, there's there's some stuff that's there. Paul
0: Dano, Oh, obviously. yeah. Because
1: he's, yeah, ridiculous.
0: So, yeah, they blow up the thing and that gets all the aliens to come out. Yeah, they,
1: they're blowing up the area because we see, actually, when they're outside the ship, when they're kind of watching it, we do see, like, one of the droney-like looking ships fly into kind of this... Landing Bay area, right, or whatever yeah. at the top of the the big mothership. Yeah. And then it there's like kind of like a force field or something there. so they they're blowing up that
0: the intention is to drive the aliens out yeah. into the open. Yes because then they can sort of use like tactics to sort of fight them and while they're doing that Daniel Craig and Olivia Wilde are going to sneak in through the tunnel that he originally escaped from where he remembers where it is now so we're getting this sort of you know climax where these multiple things are going on. The kid is climbed up on a ridge and is sort of watching it all with the spyglass it's kind of a nice way to show some of the action because it's like you know sort of framing it from his point of view the dog was there with him which annie really appreciated Sure did. the dog characters back in the action very good actor i'm not exactly sure what the kid is supposed to be doing like in a movie that was modern you could have one person being the lookout who had like earbuds in being like the the aliens are over here the aliens are there but he can't communicate to anybody so
1: i think they just told him to get out of the way and he just happened to have the spyglass i mean i they just probably told him to lay low.
0: He just doesn't really factor much into the battle, except at one point he gets like trapped by an alien and then he the alien goes to grab him with its interior arms and he stabs it with a knife and kills it yeah. because of what Harrison Ford taught That's right. him. Another thing that happens during this fight is the Native American friend who's been part of the gang this whole time gets mortally wounded and dies. And Harrison Ford has a moment with him where he's like, you are the son I always wished I had. Not Paul Dano, his terrible son.
1: Yeah. Well, and then and then as the Native American son is passing on, he was like, you know, go he's like, go get Percy.
0: It's kind of cheesy.
1: that's sweet i don't know i'm fine with it
0: it works yeah it's cheesy but it works yeah and then at one point harrison ford like saves the chief and they have a moment of just like looking at each other olivia wilde and daniel craig are inside the ship and you know daniel craig fights the alien that originally experimented on him we know it's the same alien because he's got a scar in his face when daniel craig escaped he cut the alien with its own like laser tool or whatever a lot of this stuff is just okay like it's not it's fine it's the end of the movie big budget movie stuff where people are moving around there's lots of explosions and aliens attacking i will say i know you're sort of action movie averse in some ways like big cgi stuff
1: this wasn't too much
0: it wasn't that bad no I,
1: i i would have told you if it was yeah yeah, it was not to CG. It would, The battle didn't go on that long. There was enough stuff going on in between to not bring me to battle fatigue. Yeah, we, I mean, they go in and Daniel Craig takes out the alien that had done experiments on him and killed his wife or whatever. And they free all the people. They find yes. all the people are there. And they this is when I said to you, I was like, Oh, it's the dead lights, because it's just like it. They're just staring yes. at this. And and Olivia Wilde tells him, like, don't look at the light. And he starts looking at the light too. Yeah. And she like shoots it and it's some sort of goo plasma membrane thing. And it just bursts. And then they're all like, Huh? So she's tasked with getting them out of their shackles. And she had said, as far as what will they how, what will they remember? And she was like, it, it just depends on the person, which was important that they say that because once they do make it out at the end and, you know, everything is said and done, some people are remembering things and other people are not.
0: Yeah. And you're right about the deadlines, especially since later we got the big budget it Mm -hmm. movie and it was really like this scene in the movie like it felt like the it movie was actually ripping off cowboys and and aliens aliens, it's (laughs) the other way around when i first saw the movie i just kind of felt myself a little bit tuned out of of a lot of this but watching it this time it was working for me because i would had been paying more attention to the the character stuff that was going on and and there are character moments in here so it works out pretty well And, yeah, they free all the people, and then the only way to make sure the ship is going to be fully destroyed is Olivia Wilde has to take um, the device off of Daniel Craig's arm and go in and blow it up. And the way she does that, he can't get it off of himself because he he, – and she's like, you just need to not think about it. Well,
1: she's like, you can control it with your mind. It's the same way you've been using it to, like, shoot things. And so he tries to do that, but he's like, it's not working. And, and she's like, you just need to not think about it. And so then she like goes in for a big smooch and that bracelet falls right off.
0: Yeah. And so, yeah, she takes it and goes off into the core of the alien ship or whatever. A really long sequence of her yeah. going through these. Climbing like
1: Climbing and climbing and climbing. Yeah, it's
0: way too much. Yeah. It, but they, they're they trying to build suspense and there's like an alien following yeah. her. But it's like they cut to that so many times. So times. you are like, come on. Yeah. We don't need this many cuts to her climbing further and further and further in.
1: Maybe this was the extended version. Maybe.
0: It's just because they're trying you time it all out perfectly and there's other things going on and
1: everybody getting out on time right like Harrison
0: Ford goes running back into the ship to help Daniel Craig so that they can kind of have a moment where they like work together as heroes and but it's like Olivia Wilde's like Well, I'm just going off to blow this thing up and like sacrifice myself. Like they can't even save her. No,
1: it's it's definitely going to be a a self sacrifice.
0: There's a lot of heroic sacrifices in this movie. Perhaps one too many. Maybe. Anyway, Harrison Ford and Daniel Craig get out of the ship, and the ship takes off into the sky and then Olivia Wilde makes it to the core and sets off the weapon and detonates herself and everything did you feel like this shot of when you see this ship going up into the sky and then exploding kind of uncomfortably
1: reminded you of the challenger explosion totally yeah. no it it totally did and i that's immediately what i went to and you know i saw it in person yeah so it's a burned in my memory forever but yeah it totally I, i'm I, I didn't even say anything because it really uncomfortably looked like that
0: it's like they kind of modeled the explosion on the Challenger explosion. Yeah.
1: Honestly kinda of bummed me out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like this is an odd choice.
0: Maybe it wasn't intentional, but I don't know, it's, like it, it was hard it not like, to think yeah. of that. If you if you remembered seeing the Challenger explosion on TV or like you did seeing it in person. Right. Uh it was it uncomfortably recalled it.
1: Totally. I'm glad that you had that no, recall totally too. Yeah. That. Anyway.
0: So the aliens are defeated. People are coming out of their sort of uh, mind-wipe coma. Some people remember things, some people don't. Sam Rockwell, we should say, got a moment where he-, he got a good sh- shot. He got a sh- he, good shot He ended shot up in.
1: saving somebody important. Dollar hide. Was it dollar hide? Yeah, yeah. which was great. It was Finally, he, he got got his shot. He got his man or his alien. Yeah. I did jokingly say to you, I was like, well, maybe Paul Dano will come out a changed man. And he did, which was great. Like he came out and now he's like the son that Dollar Hyde would be proud to have. Like he's totally not a jerk. He's just being a a decent guy.
0: A little convenient, one might say. Hey,
1: I'll take it. He was terrible before. It's
0: a very happy ending because we get this last sort of scene in the town and everyone's having a good time whooping up at the bar and... Sam Rockwell feels like he can be a real man now. So he's feeling good about himself and Paul Dano is a nice guy now and
1: paying for his drinks, paying
0: for his drinks and dad's going to put his name on the checks. So he's part of the family business and yeah, Daniel Craig rides into town one last time to say his goodbyes and the guys are all like, you know, you can stay. And Daniel Craig's like, well, I am wanted. And they're like, I think you might have died in the yeah. explosion. I didn't. I don't think Jake Longergan made it out of that yeah. place alive. You know, implying that they're not going to turn nope. him in or anything. But he's the kind of guy that is just going to ride off into the sunset. That's it. I think that had this movie been a success, they would have made a sequel, and we would have gotten jake lonergan in some other situation that involved
1: something supernatural yeah
0: there's a subgenre of westerns called weird westerns that has like mashups where you know vampires and and, and cowboys and stuff like that
1: was the wild wild west was that aliens too that was like no, giant spiders or something it or? was
0: mechanical it was sort of steampunky okay but it was definitely not something that would have happened in the real west right it's science fiction but i don't think they were aliens are there
1: cowboys versus werewolves or something like that
0: well yeah i mean there have been lower budget movies where there's like westerns set with supernatural creatures and stuff okay others i believe uh billy the kid versus dracula for instance (laughs) <laughs> there's a really low budget movie about that
1: well i mean we had we we were blessed with abraham lincoln vampire hunter right. so yeah, you, know. you know it was around the same time
0: exactly but yeah so this movie cost 163 million dollars which was a lot of money for something like this Oh yeah i will say that it Looks good. Oh, it looks so really the, good. The money is there.
1: Yeah, no, they. I mean, I, th- I think the quality and the the level of actors they got and and the performances they gave and everything. Like this is not a case where I'm like, what did they do with no. that money? Like, what was that? Geely. Gigli? This know, is right? no Gigli. Yeah, I'm like. How did they spend
0: all that like
1: what happened? I don't I don't feel that way about this at all.
0: Yeah, I mean, you've got Daniel Craig and Harrison Ford, Ford right like, there right there. That's a lot of that's money. A big chunk of and change. then you know, the special effects are all top notch and everything. So yeah, you can see where the money went. But it ended up only making $170 million worldwide. Mm. So it made $7 million more than its production budget. And with the advertising costs and everything, that's a big loss. They lost a lot of money on this. So it definitely deserves to be in the old tentpole trauma <laughs> discussion. I think we both sort of expressed our opinions that we like the movie.
1: I definitely liked it. And I liked it more than I thought that I would
0: yeah it's a perfectly fine diversion if you feel like watching a western with a sci-fi twist to it I think you can do a lot worse than cowboys uh, and aliens but why do you think it didn't do well
1: I have no idea I honestly like I think about films like Independence Day or something like that I mean is it too is it because it's too genre because it's western and it's doing the sci-fi thing I don't know because with the names that are attached to it and it's a fine like it's and it came out in the summertime like it's it couldn't be more of like primed to be like a summer blockbuster again I'm not blown away by it I'm not like wow why didn't everybody see this but I I am kind of like why didn't everybody see this because I feel like there's other films that are kind of in the, the same vein that did do really well because they're summer blockbusters like I think people just wanna go and see fun, you know, films where things are getting blown up and you know there's there's some endearing moments and I don't I kinda just I don't know. It hits all the beats I feel like to be a good summer blockbuster film. I'm sorry I keep saying that, but that's that's what it is to me. That's why I look to see what else came out that week. And there was nothing else that was phenomenal that came out that it week. It
0: struggled to beat the Smurfs, which I know came I saw the Smurfs came week. out that
1: week. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I was looking at. I was like, Who? it did
0: beat the Smurfs by like a one million dollars or something, but not by much.
1: I mean, look, I mean, I have nostalgia for the Smurfs, and but I certainly never saw the the film, but I would have not thought that it would be competing with the Smurfs.
0: I think there's a couple of things at play, and I think mostly it comes down to the fact. That this was a genre mashup that I think people just really weren't on board with. I do think the fact that it is such a Western probably didn't help. The thing about The Mandalorian is it's Star Wars. Right.
1: So it's got Star Wars. So it's
0: got Star Wars. And like the Western stuff is the stuff that's kind of in the background right you only really know the western stuff if you're familiar with the westerns whereas this is western like up front with aliens you know what I mean like the the, the sci-fi element is really the lesser part of this movie so I think that it was a, a mixture that wasn't really working for people I think that was something a lot of the critics sort of criticized it for they were like Uh, It's just kind of like a mediocre Western with a not very good alien invasion movie, which I think is a little unfair because I think it's actually like a decent Western with a pretty good alien invasion movie mixed together. But the critics weren't crazy about it, so they weren't saying great things about it. And then I don't think Westerns have been big business for a long time. I think you can make like low-budget Westerns that can do well, but I think when you're making a Western that's almost $200 million, you're not going to make that kind of money back. I mean, Lone Ranger is another giant tentpole trauma. That was like a big-budget Western that totally flopped. Well, I
1: don't think there's been successful, like you said, low-budget or maybe even endy, like uh, what was that, Tomahawk? Bone bone Tomahawk, tomahawk. You know, like there's certain ones that have done well that are not big budget mainstream films but the lot la- I would say like the last that I can recall big budget Western success would have been like Wyatt Earp or Tombstone or something like yeah. that that I- and that was like mid 90s I think.
0: Yeah, I just don't think it's a big money genre anymore. I think if you're going to do a Western, you need to bring the budget down. And I mean, obviously, this did have the aliens element to it, but I just don't think it was prominent enough.
1: I think they I just I guess I just expect people to be more drawn to the alien side of things and just kind of roll with whatever genre the alien is because I think people always like to see alien invasions. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I, I, I they do, but I think yeah. I just honestly think that a lot of people don't like westerns.
1: Yeah, that's true, and then I, I guess also it's just like I said, it's hitting me at a time where I'm really into westerns right now. So it's like it, I'm, I'm all in. Yeah, and just with I mean having freaking Harrison Ford and Daniel Craig, like yeah, um, and I just honest to God, I cannot remember this movie being. Advertised at all? Like, I mean, I don't think I had cable at the time or anything. And like I said, I was going when I would go to the movies. I was going to the New Art, which is like a a art house, so to speak, theater, and that was just what I was doing because it was next to work and in my neighborhood. And so I guess I wasn't seeing the trailers for this as much. I don't remember it at all.
0: I vaguely remember seeing some trailers for it, and I remember I don't think they were very good. So I think that was probably hurting it too. I think the trailers weren't selling it right, they weren't marketing it right. I also think we were entering into a time, which unfortunately we still are in, where if it's not something that people really are invested in, some IP like Marvel or yeah. DC or Star Wars, people just aren't going to show up. It's sad. It bums me out. And We've discussed this before because I feels like no one can make a sort of original idea anymore and have it be successful because it's got to have that Marvel stamp on it or that Star Wars stamp on it or whatever, which is a bummer. Like, you know, it It used to be like you could just make a cool movie and people would be into it because it was cool. But now it's like McDonald's. Everything's got to have that brand on there or else no one's going to show up.
1: All about branding and God, I mean, dealing with pandemic movie stuff now, it's like really hard to get your movie out there.
0: Yeah, I just think IP is king and yeah. I think that this was really heading into the era of IP completely dominating. That same summer was the first opening salvo of like was the it Marvel Captain movies. Captain America that year? Yeah, Thor yeah. and Captain America yeah. had both came out. Avengers was coming out the next yeah. year.
1: 2012. So
0: yeah. we're all leading up to this big moment with, where Marvel's yeah. going to suddenly become the dominating force. I mean, John Favreau had made Iron Man and Iron yeah. Man 2 before this movie, so he was part of that. Yeah, I just think we were just heading into this new era of, like, IP being king, Marvel being king. Yeah. Star Wars is coming back. I just think people are, it's a really hard thing to sell to people now. Even though it was based on a comic or whatever. Nobody read but Nobody that read comic. the comic.
1: Nobody knew. I didn't know about the comic until you shared that with me today. And it's like, it wasn't yeah, a it's, factor. Just, it's hard for people to take a chance on something that they don't have some sort of familiarity with.
0: Yeah, you just basically can't really make $200 million movies about things that aren't branded by one of these big Ips.
1: Well, no. And if I mean, if you think about it, this was PG-13. So this was definitely for younger folks to go see, too. And yeah, I mean, movies are it's it's expensive, especially if you're a family or whatever. And so I, I understand you're going to pick and choose what you're going to go see in the theater.
0: I hope that our listener who requested this wasn't hoping for us to totally hate on the movie. That's not really our thing, right? No, we
1: don't hate on movies. And I wouldn't think so because they're obviously, I mean, if they're James Bond fans, I have to think that they're Daniel Craig fans. Yeah. There's nothing to hate on this film. And we don't do that anyway. That's not what this is about.
0: I think the worst thing that you can say about this film is that it's kind of forgettable like once you've seen it you're kind of like oh that was that was okay and then you just sort of forget it even
1: exists I'm thankful that we Watched the film and went right into this because I already was forgetting (laughs) how things were happening because it is it's just that that's probably its flaw is that it's it's not super memorable. And it's I mean, it's just because it's, you know, it's it's kind of just following the standard beats of
0: of the both the genres that it's 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 working with it follows the standard beats of a Western and And an alien invasion and an alien invasion. Yes. Right.
1: And and that's perfectly fine, but it's not anything that you're going to be like. Oh, but in this one, this is what happened. Do right. you remember this? And
0: there's not a lot of unique things in this movie that you haven't seen in other movies that will make you remember it. I think that's kind of its central problem.
1: I think the only uniqueness to this is the just the premise. That's it. It's just like we're putting these two things together. That makes it unique. However, the storytelling is just kind of going with what happens in those genres.
0: I often say this. It's like the movies that really stand out usually have one scene right. or sequence that you're like, oh, that was like right. the thing. And that, and so you always remember the movie because of one sequence that happened. And this movie doesn't really have that.
1: It didn't have that. And if it did, it didn't have that effect. Yeah. Like if they thought that that was something that was happening, I... I I don't know what that was supposed to be.
0: That's sort of the problem when you're trying to make something that sort of is going to appeal to everybody is those kind of edges tend to get sanded off. And you end up with something that's like really competent and well, you know, well done. Like clearly everybody involved in this is like at the top of their game. Right. Even the screenwriting, you know, generic, though it may be,
1: it's tight, it's
0: tight, it's effective in what it's trying to do. What they're trying to do, they're doing it well. Right. The direction is all really good, the special effects and everything. It just doesn't have anything about it that you're like, yeah, that scene in Cowboys and Aliens, when this happens, it's just, it's not in the movie.
1: No, it's not in the movie. And it almost, I would say, it seems like what you're saying as far as like, let's get all the beats and sand off the edges Is that they were priming this to be like a slam dunk summer blockbuster film. Like, you know, we're going to give people exactly what they want from both of these genres. Yeah. And people were like, no, I'm going to go see the Smurfs. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So world wasn't ready for the genre mashup, maybe. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I think if they had done something a little crazier with it, it might have been something that people would people have at, at least, least talk talked about. about yeah.
1: Right. And then get people in the theater maybe right. based on that.
0: I think the people that did go to see this, I mean, because there were a bunch of people that saw it. 170
1: million people yeah. or dollars. I just it, think yeah. they
0: went and saw it and they were like, oh, that was fun and yeah. never thought about it ever again.
1: And didn't tell somebody that <laughs> you <laughs> should go see this or whatever. They were probably like, yeah, it was fine. Yeah. It wasn't like it wasn't catching fire word of mouth no
0: all right well i'm gonna go lasso up someone's grandpa and throw a dead body onto a fire and punch walton goggins right in the mouth and break <laughs> his teeth Annie's
1: gonna want to watch this again
0: and he's definitely gonna want to watch this again that about does it today for tentpole trauma If you like what you heard, check out our social media presence on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just look for Tentpole Trauma. That was easy, wasn't it? If you like us, hit subscribe and leave us a sterling review on iTunes, if you dare. If you really like us, head over to Patreon.com and get involved in one of our fabulous tiers. You'll be glad you did. Want to communicate with Tentpole Trauma? Send an email to tentpoltrauma at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And who knows, one day you may even get your email read on one of our shows. Well, thanks for listening, and we'll see you real soon.